broadcasting live from Lityara Mirror Lake on the plain of Kaldheim. This is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham. Joining me is Nelson. Hi there. And Cameron. Honk noise. And today we are going to be looking at some of the real world mythical origins of the lore and card design in Kaldheim. And I'm very excited to do so. But before we do that, a reminder that this show is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Do check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR. That little slash LRR on there. That's our that's our code that tells them we sent you. And we do that because they got good prices and excellent customer service. And they're just a good bunch of folks cardkingdom.com there's no shit post we don't want to use to sell magic cards exactly pay them so they pay us <laughs> also is true yes and if you tell them loading ready run sent me button please they will give you a little one inch button which currently says creature human mm. it's styled yeah. like a type line so you can be a human creature this this button's for you not your play mat or your deck box it's for you specifically yeah all you good humans out there at the risk of being exclusionary of all the you know goblins and trolls who also listen to the podcast one note for this one i went and looked up what how to pronounce what you know the opening word of beowulf oh, yeah. and now so armed i am going to continue to pronounce it like little john <laughs> oh good it's basically the same noise what? right it serves the yeah. same function so well i've been practicing my pronunciation as well and i'm gonna still ruin it because i want to give huge thanks and shout outs to a viewer a listener by the name of trolls specifically now, it's spelled it's spelled norgard but it's pronounced like nurgle okay so trolls nurgle he said not to worry about it, but I'm giving it a shot anyway. Thank you very much to Trolls for contacting me some time ago and basically saying, Hi, Kaldheim is in previews. I am deeply invested in Norse mythology. It's a thing I've studied. I'm actually Danish. Can I, can I help you out with this? And I said, please, goodness, yes. Nice. And so I've been provided with an extensive list of... Um, notes touching on sort of broad themes some of the terminology and notes on individual cards and i'm really excited to get into it this is something we've done a couple times before looking at theros and throne of eldraine actually of sort of the the real world myths like the myths from our actual human world that have inspired a lot of the cards and theming for this set of magic cards I really enjoy this episode too, or this this series we've done. So I want to say I'm going to screw it up and also not worry about it. But thank you, trolls. So let's and I and I guess I should also say it's not just mythology; it's also a lot of folklore this time. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. sort of a big combination of stuff. And so before we get into specific card by card notes, this will probably be two episodes, by the way, just to everyone Sweet. listening, because there's a lot here. We're going to start with some of the broader the broader themes and sort of stuff that they've touched on. And I'll go in the alphabetical order that uh, was provided in these notes, which means we're going to start up at B with Berserkers. So Berserkers are not a new creature type to magic, but the word is Norse. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Apparently it translates as bear sark, which is like someone who wears the skin of a bear and transforms into a bear or gains the strength of a bear in in like less less sort of fantastical terms it's you know warriors who fight with great rage often induced by some sort of like concoction or something or you know but they just sort of you know they howl and yell and get themselves going right they frequently appear in 
in sort of contemporaneous sagas and they're never you know great to have around and uh, authors of sagas often show that someone has berserker gang which is to say they are going berserk by having them be so frenzied that they bite the edge of their shield yeah i've i've heard and seen that in depictions before and i don't know how like well how historical that is or how legitimate it was but okay good to hear yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's probably not a thing that really happened, but it definitely was written down in stories, mm-hmm. right? A lot of these stories and sagas of this folklore and mythos come from Christian monks in Iceland who were the ones who finally like wrote everything down. And so, you know, we, we have to consider that there's, you know, it's being put through several filters by the time it gets to us. I need to, I need to read the Gret- Gretis saga. Gretir's saga, which is one of the Icelandic sagas. Mm. Moving on to cosmos monsters, which is to say, you know, beings of the cosmos that are beyond just like a troll or, you know, just some sort of beast. These are things in the set. These are things like Koma or Toski or Saurulf. These are ancient, like otherworldly beings that have been around for a very, very, very long time. And we'll talk more about those cards specifically as we go on. But the idea that there are, you know, there's the, there's the cycle in Norse mythology of the Ragnarok and starting everything new. And we see there there's a card called like binding the old gods, right? And the notion that, yeah, there was there was old gods. There were gods before and then there was a Ragnarok. And now we now we are here and now we have these gods. And eventually there's going to be another Ragnarok. And then we'll, there will be new gods probably. You know, it's uh, that's all sort of like, yeah, that, that's that's a fine thing to accept and talk about, which I think is neat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like everyone, the idea of the Pantheon is a little bit more pliable, a little bit more flexible in the the minds of the the people of Kaldheim, right? Mm-hmm. So moving to dragons. Now, this is, this is funny because, you know, no matter what plane, what the setting in magic is, there's always at least one dragon, right? That's just like a thing that they have. They have a post-it note somewhere that's like, don't forget the dragon. Like, I know that Rosewater's talked about this. That's like, we always have a dragon. People love dragons. Sometimes exactly just one, too. Like, I think in Innistrad, there's just one. And you're like, what? Okay, I guess there's a dragon here, too. Yeah, I think in, was it even in Ravnica? There's like one dragon, you know, like places where it's like, and it, it it's always believable. It's always just sort of like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, there's a dragon there. Why, yeah, why not? But, you know, there's only one dragon in this set, the Goldspan dragon, and then there's a Berserker that makes dragon tokens. But So I assumed it was a very sort of similar thing. There's a lot of... There is precedent for dragons in sort of Germanic Norse mythology. They, they typically don't fly, which, which is interesting. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about Ravenous Lindworm. But, you know, that's, that's more of a european folklore thing the sort of the the big the big dragons and what's interesting also is that in specific dragons and their hoard of gold and the relationship between dragons and dwarves and to a certain extent a lot of norse mythology is from tolkien i was going to say like it post dates tolkien no like it comes from like the hobbit and lord of the rings like the the dragon with the horde of gold and dragons and dwarves either coexisting or being enemies or whatever just any sort of whatever the relationship is between dragons and dwarves being like sort of spoken in the same breath that's all from tolkien oh, okay sorry i thought we were saying that there was a tolkien and ancient norse mythology connection no it's just this isn't the case this is like there isn't necessarily these relationships between dragons and gold and dwarves yeah. in real world ancient Norse mythology and folklore yeah 
it'll be interesting in a couple hundred years when it's like you know people looking at mythology from that period of time and being like well so then uh, in the middle of the 20th century there was this, this guy who made up a whole bunch of it and everyone was like that's what we believe now like <laughs> yeah like this is this is just unspeakably sweet so we like to trade it all for this thank you yeah now still in d we have the draugr which is indeed norse undead sometimes called draugr various versions also referred to as barrow dweller or the one that i quite like because it's very direct is just the again walkers nice i like that i like yeah and yeah as they appear in the set sort of you know mostly human looking but like i i imagine that the sort of game of thrones white walker art direction and this sort of pulling from similar sources of like mostly humanoid you know maybe some some sort of like blue tattoo-ish looking magical markings that's all that's all very much in keeping draugr also tend to have superhuman strength and there's at least one saga of one being able to speak okay 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 because in on the card raise the draugr i believe the flavor text indicates that they can talk or or at least there's reference to it and trolls who was putting this together was like i had to look this up because i was like they can't talk can they but there's one story that talks about a talking draugr so he's like oh i guess there's precedent Okay. Yeah, maybe it okay. all just depends on how you died, right? Like whether mm. or not your voice box deteriorated immediately or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, like mythology is a little flexible like this, right? Also, I just found out Raise of the Draugr was an instant yesterday. Yeah, I definitely, definitely thought that was a sorcery until the first time I cast it and was very excited. Let me write that one down. I don't want to find that one out in a game. Well, it's okay. Yeah, I found out when it, when it was in my hand. I was like, well, I don't really feel like doing this now, so I guess I'll pass. And then I was like, wait, why is this highlighted? <gasps> I can cast it now? Oh, my goodness. Oh, also, one note, just to head off the comments at the pass, there is a second dragon in Kaldheim. Oh. Which is the Immerstrom Predator, the vampire oh, dragon. right. Yes, of course there is. Right. Which is like, I'm curious about if this slots into mythology at all, because it seems like a weirdo include. And I guess I might as well head off the head off of the pass as saying there's a bunch of changelings, too. <laughs> Touche, actually. Someone per else needed to type it if we didn't say it, right? Particularly pedantic on that one. Yeah, good point, though. <laughs> yeah, good, good it's call. It's because I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, nicely done, Nelson. Yeah. You, are, you are our tame pedant. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's right. Yeah, got my little collar. <laughs> Thank you, master. <laughs> Less than three. So the dwarves i mentioned already a lot of that does come sort of from tolkien the dwarves and elves and all of that but even from their original origins connection with treasure and artifacts very much works they they made a bunch of stuff for the gods which we'll get to and they're a little more like martial in the set or in magic in general than they were in like the original norse stories at least that's how sort of they're like described in the notes here like they're a little bit more military right whereas they were more sort of craftsmen i i suppose originally and then speaking speaking of elves again we're sort of going back to the source material according to trolls black and green is a great fit not only because it works with previous sets but with how they've been depicted in written sources and later folklore because when you look at the the wise benevolent elves that's a tolkien thing whereas norse elves exist somewhere on the spectrum between uh, mischievous and evil all right all right nice and also the the word elf or alf could mean actually kind of many different magical beings including dwarves so you know like it's sort of codified now but originally it was just sort of like you know some kind of elf okay like yeah like the 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 class or order of fey 
I guess, would be the the English equivalent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like goblin and imp are sometimes used like that in English sometimes too, or like an old story or whatever, or old piece of European folklore, and they'll use, you know, the same term for something that you find out later is like a completely different kind of creature. Yeah. And that's really apparent when we look at the giants in the set, because so we have, so there's these beings in the mythology and the folklore called Jotnar, J-O-T-N-A-R. And it's often just sort of generally accepted that they're giants, but that's not sort of the case. This was, this, this seems like a little bit, you know, not to confuse the mythical beings. This seems like a bit of a bugbear for our note provider. As, as he says, this is a disappointing but understandable creative decision. Disappointing because it piggybacks on the already established consensus of always referring to them as giants, even though they're not universally depicted that way in the written sources. Uh, they, they often have and can take the size or shape of a giant, but th- there's actually no like cohesive overview of anything that says that they're all giants. They, they're probably not even a single race, but perhaps it's just like a group of various fantastic beings you know they're some are hideous some are beautiful they vary greatly in size and several of the gods like odin have jotun heritage so it's like you know how does how does this all sort of sort of work out but you know it it makes sense in magic because you know they've had previous cards like jotun grunt from earlier sets from cold snap for example and so it's like you know it's like okay it, you know, it makes sense that we're sort of we're using giant to sort of as like a catch all for that. But I, I thought that was interesting. That it's like there's actually nothing that says they're all giants. People are just like, yeah, they're all giants. And everyone's like, yeah, OK, fine. No, but fine. OK, interesting. Yeah. OK. So is what binds them together then maybe just that they're powerful magical creatures? Because like if they're not the Yoltner, I don't know. If I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, actually. But if they're not all the same race or species and they're not all giants, you know, like, is one of them a bird or is one of them also an elf? Now, now I'm extra curious and confused. Two steps from enlightenment. I assume it was mostly just sort of like a catch-all term for like, and then some kind of, I don't know, some sort of Jotnar came over. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that seems plausible, really. All right, yeah. so yeah, similar, right, what we were saying earlier, similar to uh, elf and maybe goblin. Got it. Yeah. The gods, this is interesting because I, I hadn't actually quite clued into this, but we have a bunch of new gods in the set. And unlike previous times that we've seen gods in magic, they are not indestructible and they don't do the thing where from like Amonkhet where they go into the deck and can come back out like they're they they can be hurt and killed. Yeah, I really enjoy that a lot yeah, here it's like first edition D gods where it's like the goal is just to level up until you're 15 or higher and then try to kill one attack and defeat god yeah exactly yeah yeah because it's entirely possible that was just for game balance reasons but the gods of this pantheon were ne- are never described as being immortal in fact they do they routinely die or get gravely wounded most notably there's uh you know odin's missing an eye tear is missing a hand you know Apparently, Thor once lost a wrestling match with old age herself and nearly died. I mean, famously, I think Balder, right? Balder the Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Had his death foretold. In order to prevent it, his mother Frigg found it necessary to ask of every living being and inanimate object throughout the realms to promise not to harm him. And it didn't work because she forgot one thing. I don't recall what that one thing was. You won't believe the one thing she forgot. (laughs) Thanks, that, mom. That reminds me of the the Achilles heel. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of, right? The mm-hmm. one thing. 
Just dip him in. I mean, I'm I'm sure James Frazier decided they were both the same figure in the Golden Bow, right? It's like how they were both killed by the one thing their mothers couldn't prevent. They must be the same figure. Right, right, right. Hey, by the way, um, assuming I make it to like, you know, at least 60, let's just set, put on my tombstone that I lost a wrestling match with old age herself. Could I just get someone to, to go around and make everyone promise not to hurt me? That sounds really good. Yeah, you're getting a better takeaway from this lesson than I am. Just, hey, we we don't know one another, but I need you to be really nice to this guy, Cameron. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not that bad a way to live. I don't know you, but I will try to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Not you. I know you. <laughs> I meant our listeners. <laughs> You're getting what's coming to you and you deserve it. Uh, Finally. The next on the list here, we have the law speakers, the Beskir, the white creatures, the, the clan of white humans in the in Kaldheim. They're portrayed as the sort of the, the law and order humans, um, which is the law speakers, which was an actual profession from the this isn't from myth this is these were real people that they they were law speakers but because the legal tradition was oral you needed specialized professionals who could actually remember all of it and so it's just kind of cool that it's like yeah we're gonna have the you know like obviously best gear shieldmate or whatever has like a sword you know so it's like you know we're gonna also maybe enact some of that law but it's neat to have that sort of reference in there and the the idea of a legal system of oral tradition sounds impenetrable yeah the i've only read a couple of the icelandic sagas but from reading i think it's called njaldol's saga lawyers were like you know highly respected people like you wanted to know a good lawyer and I don't know. It just seems like the profession wasn't taken for granted and also wasn't really anyone's like main job. It's just like something that you could do. I don't know, some number of times, maybe at most eight times a year for a weekend, you could like be a lawyer because you only ever get to do law when everybody gets together for the thing. That was my impression from the sagas. Anyway, Mm. I'm not a not a deep scholar here, but yeah, lawyers. I should have led with this one because there's an entire note on just pronunciation where, where, where Trolls says, please do not spend half the episode fussing over pronunciation. There are at least five distinct Norse or Scandinavian languages. They have different spellings and pronunciations for various mythological names and concepts. There's no right way. English is so influenced by Danish anyway. There are accepted English pronunciations for everything. Besides, Watsi just makes up Norse-looking and sounding words and names anyway. They're intended for an English-speaking audience. So it's like... Just don't don't worry about it. So we're we're all just gonna do our best. Tread super carefully and correct myself every time I try to say something. Got it. Got it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Will do. Runes. Runes were considered magical, and inscribing runes on something conveyed a, a sort of blessing. And so it's really cool that the rune cards can either enchant creature meaning the creature is carrying sort of you know some some kind of indication of that rune they're they're carrying a representation of it or an equipment which would be etched into the the piece of equipment thereby sort of granting it some kind of magical property because you could wear runes as jewelry or you could sort of you could carve them into an object and you look at stuff like doomscar oracle where it's a a single rune there's a couple instances he mentions axgard braggard where there's like a line of runes, which is less typical, but where there's a single rune on something like Doomscar Oracle, where it is like this, this rune is giving power sort of thing is, is kind of a cool thing. Next we have sagas. So the word saga is also Norse, uh, with most sagas coming from, from Iceland because they were originally oral tradition and written down by the monks, which we mentioned, and probably a lot was lost or changed. And uh, some pagan stories might have been a bit too much for the new Christian world order, or the translator might just have missed something. Or, I mean, you know, we know how history goes. The translator might have just 
changed it because they felt like it. Yeah, or just made made bits up. Yeah, let's punch this up. The Icelandic translation of Dracula has a, a rich historical precedent, as it <laughs> turns out. Shapeshifters are an excellent inclusion because lots of Norse myths and stories include shapeshifting, often in the form of putting on a, like, quote, skin to transform into various beasts. Birds are common. That's often how Loki gets around. One story has Heimdall fighting Loki, Loki and both taking the shape of a seal. Presumably both taking the shapes of different seals, not both the, taking the shape of the same seal. I mean, yeah, you gotta, gotta get right up close to your opponent. Yeah, which end am I? Turn into the same seal and then do battle. The snow... You know, it's like, hey, let's bring snow back. Obviously, that makes sense. You know, we're going for like mythical Scandinavia here. There's mythological basis for a very long winter. Shout outs again to Game of Thrones for a very long winter because the Ragnarok is preceded by three years of harsh winter, which sounds awful. It's like, oh, okay, so it's the end of the world. But don't worry, <laughs> the prelude to the end of the world is brutal winter for three years. Awesome. Yeah, you'll know the end of the world's coming. Yeah, because it feels like the end of the world. Yeah. Trolls, because there's trolls in the set. Sorry, not our, not, not trolls, the uh, writer of this, but trolls, the mythological creatures. It's like there's, there's no shortage of, of mythological beasties in Norse mythology, but the trolls in Kaldheim are more akin to like later, more European folklore. So like, you know, but whatever we had, we had Kraken and theros so it not totally totally closed system and then last on this sort of broad strokes is valkyries which makes perfect sense because a lot of the angels and magic are already very akin to original representations of valkyries anyway and they're generally associated with the afterlife and passing to the afterlife and so the fact that they're centered in white black and magic makes an awful lot of sense now the realms how many realms are there well <laughs> consensus has landed on nine but they've never been listed together in the same written source. Perfect. So like today we're like, yeah, there was nine realms in, in, in Norse mythology. And, you know, meanwhile, Norse mythology and then over in the corner is like, well, well maybe, you know, and like how they're actually connected to the tree is unclear. But then in Kaldheim, how these realms are connected, if at all, to the tree is also kind of unclear. So let's just quickly run down the realms of Kaldheim. So Axgard is maybe a little on the nose, is home to the dwarves. So this is sort of pulling from Mirkheim, which means something like dark home. Bretagard is home of the humans, which would be Midgard or Middle Earth. Ta-da! Notvol is where the trolls live. There's not really a parallel in, in the myths. So Immersturm, we talked about before. So it's German for f the forever storm, which would be uh, Muspelheim, the home of the fire Jotnar, except that Kaldheim actually has their giants living somewhere else. But in, in real myth, the fire Jotnar live on Muspelheim, which would be the, the forever storm. But, you know, they're, they're, they're juggling stuff around. So the the Kaldheim realm of Istfel is interesting because this is where this is where you go when you die, but you didn't die in battle. So it's it's not quite hell. That's hell with one L because the inhabitants are like fairly chill. They're spirits and also the gods hang out the world tree there. It serves the same purpose as hell as far as Kaldheim is concerned, because that's where you go if you didn't die in battle. And hell sucks. Like hell is really, really bad. And you don't get the impression from the Kaldheim cards that it sucks to go to Istfel. It looks like there's not really a truly terrible afterlife in Kaldheim, so that's nice. Okay. 
That's good because I just keep killing creatures left and right. Yeah. And it also seems like it's also Asgard because the gods apparently live there. Right. right? It's specifically mentioned as like a gathering place for the gods. But there's another sort of kind of Asgard in Starnheim, you know, which we'll get to. Carfell. That's where all the Draugr live. There's not really a direct parallel in the mythology because Draugr don't have their own place. They just hang around Midgard pestering the humans. You could make a case that this is like Niflheim or Hell because it's the like the dark place. But, you know, that's that's an interpretation from our note taker here. Yara is where the shapeshifters live, which is cool. But, you know, again, there's no actual sort of real origin for that. Skemfar, home of the elves. So it's either Alfheim, which is the home of the elves, or Svartalfheim, which is the home of the Dark Elves. Two, two, two kinds of elves. We just need our shapeshifters to turn into Dark Elves, and then they can be there instead. Yeah. So Starnheim is, again, it's like it literally, literally translates to star home. So it is sort of also Asgard, but it's also kind of Valhalla. It's like, it could be that the Great Hall in Starnheim is the Valhalla, because that's where you get those Valkyries from, but then... There's also the God's Hall in Istfel. So, you know, it looks like they've sort of kind of chopped chopped Asgard into a couple specific parts and put some in Istfel and some in Starnheim. And then lastly, Surtland, which is the home of the Frost and Fire Giants, which makes it Jotunheim, which is also, there's a real place in Norway called Jotunheim. Oh, we found it. Yeah. Hooray. Well, I was I was finding out recently that Hell... Like with two L's, biblical hell is like was originally based on a real place, which was like a valley where ancient people who were alive around when the Bible was being written. It was like just a it was a garbage dump. It was a valley where people like threw their trash and set it on fire. So it was it was hot and there was fire everywhere and it smelled bad and it sucked to be there. So it was just meant to be taken literally. And then it was it's sort of I think you could say it it escalated somewhat from there. (laughs) Yeah, I can yeah. I can definitely see that. It's like, yeah, what what happened to grandma? Oh, she died and went to hell, right? <laughs> like what what's hell? We burned her body with the garbage. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's the place where dead people go. It's the fireplace. Really? Was she was she bad in life? Uh, I mean, I guess like This is great stuff. I gotta write this down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean she didn't amass so much wealth that we could afford to do anything better with her body, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, mother-in-laws, right? <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. I'm out. I, the faith. So let's start going through some of the individual cards. I have a lot of notes here. Some of them I'm not going to worry too much about. For example, for example, Trolls mentions that there's the card Alpine Meadows and mentions like, well, technically the Alps are in Southern Europe. So <laughs> it's, it's not, not really Alpine. But then magic uses Alpine to, to just mean mountainous. So, you know, things like that I'm not going to go too deep on. But I mean, we'll start with Agar, the Freezing Flame, who is probably meant to be the king of the giants which you know means that there isn't actually a clear analog because there there was no like no canonical king of the giants several jotnar are described as the mightiest or wealthiest of their kind and including let me see trim and thjazi cert leads the charge during ragnarok and he's strictly fire related so perhaps perhaps that so yeah there's there's not really a jotun counterpart to odin but it definitely comes across like 
Agar is meant to be sort of the the king of the of the giants. And unlike most legendary creatures, you can just stuff four or five of these in your draft deck if you can get them. Because as long as he's on the battlefield, you're probably winning. Agar's so good. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely had to like read this card five times and then play against it twice before I actually understood what it did. Mm-hmm. And then I was terrified. Yeah. Next we have Alrund, God of the Cosmos, who is fairly clearly odin the name alrund is probably taken from alrun which probably means elf rune it's also a name in danish and probably other languages as well for the mandrake flower which is neat having his raven herald his coming is really cool because odin would often send his ravens out as either messengers or spies and the trolls figures that both of odin's ravens are depicted here one is on the front side of the card like on his shoulder and the other the second raven is the one on the back of the card okay oh yeah 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 that's clever we don't really see that Alrund is missing an ear, do we? Or eye. Just missing an eye? Well, the, well, Odin's missing one of each, right? Mm. And then one of his ravens listens and the other one watches. I thought that was part of the oh, I'd, the mythology. I'd always only, only heard the eye thing. I didn't know about the ear. And then like maybe there's also, I mean, I don't know if trolls included this, but is there, there's like a bit where... I'm not sure about this, but is it like the taking out of his eye and the, the plucking off of his ear is like how he like made the ravens or like gives gave them to eat these parts of his body or something like that i always heard that like the eye was basically traded for the ability to to do magic right okay well we gotta hit more wikipedia before we get on that okay cam and i are both gonna go google odin a bunch before next week's podcast here we go i got it so because there's there's the card alrin's epiphany which trolls questions like did did odin ever have an epiphany well you could kind of say that he did when he gained wisdom by hanging upside down from the world tree for nine straight days and giving up his eye to the well of mimir in exchange for wisdom okay all right okay i guess we can sort of call that an epiphany so yeah all right we circled around to an exchange of some kind with the eye the connection with foretell and scrying resonates with odin having magical powers though odin isn't really known for foretelling stuff himself so much as having the events of ragnarok foretold to him <laughs> right which is like all right next we're gonna look at arnie Brokenbow and says it might not be the direct inspiration here but there are stories of humans fighting various supernatural beings so Gretter Asmundsen of Gretter's Saga once fought and killed a Jotun couple who were terrorizing the locals. Gretter had sort of a traveling witcher kind of vibe to him. Uh, note also the entry for Raise the Draugr, so we'll pop back to that as well. Oh, and also, just because Nelson commented on it, that the name Arnie is the anglicized spelling of Arnie, so A-R-N-E, which is, a, which is the actual Scandinavian name. Tons of Scandinavian words and names end with an E, but it's difficult for English speakers to pronounce it correctly. So when anglicizing the words, the E becomes an I as sort of an approximation. Because it's like Loki, L-O-K-I, would be spelled L-O-K-E and pronounced like Lok. I don't even know if that came across. Yeah, you're right. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So that's just like... I would totally butcher that trying to do that. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So we'll just say, we'll just say Loki. And it was like, all right, cool. So yeah, just because you mentioned that when we were talking about Arnie Slays the Troll. Yeah. Speaking of Arnie slaying the troll, the artwork on Arnie slays the troll seems to depict a finely decorated metal drinking horn when the Vikings definitely had those as like a real thing. See, for example, the Danish national treasure, the Golden Horns of Galahus, which were sadly stolen and smelted in 1802. Today, only replicas remain. But yeah, drinking horns were a real thing. And so is Arnie slays the troll. Such a real thing. Sorry, I'm just like staring at the card right now. Yeah, it's good. Another little love affair of draft. Uh, the Battle of Frost and Fire. The mythology has a clear frost slash fire 
theme. Ymir, the primordial Jotun from whose corpse the gods fashioned the world, was born from the mists that arose when the icy waters of Niflheim met the fires of Muspelheim. The world will also end in frost and fire because Ragnarok is preceded by three years of winter and begins with Surt and his fire Jotnar trampling over Bifrost. So Battle of Frost and Fire, that seems very Ragnarokish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. There's just a fun note here on Bearded Axe, which is just for those who don't know sort of weaponry, I suppose, bearded axes were, were a real thing. The, the beard refers to the, the hanging downy part on the blade there, the part that looks kind of like a beard. That's why it's called a bearded axe. Questions I didn't know I had. Yeah. Most war axes did not actually have like a very wide blade. Mm-hmm. All right. Now this next one, this gets very interesting. Bind the monster. Okay, so we can talk about Serolf specifically a little bit later, but Serolf is Fenrir, right? Who's this big wolf. And this is the binding of Fenrir is basically what's, what's, depic- what's being depicted on this card. So the gods had adopted Fenrir as a pup. They were like, oh, okay, you know, little, should we have, should we have an office dog? Everybody in the, in the Pantheon? Do we think that's a cool idea? Sounds great. What could go wrong? I'm only walking it once a week. Well, Fenrir grew so rapidly in size and strength i think one of the stories says that when fenrir yawned the bottom of his jaw touched the ground and his nose scraped the heavens that's a big dog big dog so they were like we should bind that we should deal deal with this but they were reluctant to fight it because it was huge so they forged a mighty chain and challenged the wolf to see if it could break it promising of course they would remove the chain if the wolf failed fenrir was like all right sure and broke the chain so they were like Okay. Uh Uh-oh. And so they tried again and again with stronger and stronger chains. Oh no, this is just a training regimen. Yeah, Fenrir kept breaking free. Now Fenrir is just immune to chains, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, I had lots of chains as a kid, so, you know. I just watched, I just watched, apparently Kendall had never seen it and she chose to put it on. I was like, oh my God, are we really getting to watch Princess Bride right now? Oh, wow. I I just assumed she'd seen it and wasn't a fan or whatever. Like I thought it was a movie I'd already tried to push on her before, but no, she's just like, oh, want to watch this. I was like, oh, yay. Anyway, so Fenrir's just like, yeah, the, the chains were in both cups. I developed an immunity. I think we're burying the lead here. Did she enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. We got through it. She had fun. Yeah. We saw, watched the whole movie. Yeah. I hadn't seen it in more than 10 years, I think. It's a good movie so good so the gods went and asked the dwarves to forge an unbreakable chain and they forged the chain of glipnir out of according to the legend they made this chain out of cat's footstep woman's beard mountain's root sinew of bears breath of fish and spit of birds all five food groups yeah yeah the chain was light and delicate, so Fenrir sensed the deception right away. And so the god Tyr agreed to put his hand in Fenrir's mouth to show that they meant no harm. So then the wolf was like, okay, fine, put the chain on it. It couldn't break the chain, but bit Tyr's hand off. So it's small, it looks cheap, it can lock anything down, but it's going to cost you life total. <laughs> the flavor win of this card, it, I, it, oh, it, give, it gives me life. It's wonderful. Yeah, no, that's a lot of levels. That's good top-down design right there. And also a reason why you should just train your dog. <laughs> just train. They're smart. They're smart. We're going to need a big crate. 
I can't remember the last time there was like a very playable removal spell, especially in blue, where you had to, you know, take a close eye on how many you wanted to actually pick for your draft deck because the life payment was going to add up too much. Yeah, but this is it. Like this card might be in a class of its own in terms of evaluations for draft. On limited resources, LSV was saying that like the first one of these is probably a B minus, like yeah. quite strong and you want to have one. And the second one is probably a C minus. I would tend to agree. Yeah, I think you spend a pick on the first one, but don't spend a pick. Like if you get a second one, fine. But then even the third one, like don't don't even bother. Yeah. Like you're almost you, if you have to play three of it, like your draft deck doesn't feel good anymore. Our expert notes that for maximum flavor, the aura should have also been indestructible, but that probably couldn't have been a common at that point. So right let's talk about Bergy, god of tales and then we'll talk about harnfell in a moment so the norse counterpart would be bragi a skald and god of poetry now skalds are poets oh it turns out good thank you i i was wondering that too i was also wondering that let me have a glossary here that was also prepared so the show is a big rap battle yes literally it's nice. literally a rap battle fantastic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he says poetry was an important part of Viking and Norse culture. An understanding and appreciation of the arts was the hallmark of a cultured man. Uh, and for some, being a skald was a profession. Kings and jarls would employ skalds to entertain at court and to write songs and poems in their honor. And for others, it was a side hustle. Being a good weaver of words as a cleaver of skulls was certainly a way to earn a reputation. For whatever reason, in Kaldheim, the skalds are exclusively dwarven. Don't know why it's a mechanical thing. But anyway, so the god of poetry, Bragi, is a f fairly obvious analog for Bergy, the god of storytelling here. Because, you know, double boast, you get twice the mana from the story, or perhaps a reference to all to the stories you can get by uh, storming out. <laughs> if you, you know, if you make your storm deck absolutely pop off and you're like, I got this great story to tell you about a storm deck I you played the other day. Now the horn is interesting. It's a Harnfell, Horn of Bounty. Because there's not a clear counterpart, but a likely inspiration, totally unrelated to Bragi, is the large horn that Utgarda Loki, who is not Loki Loki, challenged his guest Thor to empty. He boasted that some some of his men could empty it in one in one chug essentially some in two but none were so feeble that they couldn't do it in three and so thor was like all right sure fine three full breath chugs later it's still like not even remotely like it's it was down a little bit but not very much because utgarda loki cheated and the horn was connected to the sea oh boy <laughs> So like the Horn of Bounty, it never it never ran dry and, and and Thor drank so much that, you know, like the Horn's water level had dropped a little bit, as had the sea. <laughs> that can't taste good, right? That's like, yeah. I mean, sometimes all you can drink is not really that great. Like when it's Mr. Pibb or something, I don't know. Yeah. It's the party and there's a keg, but it's not a kind you like. Yeah. Also, I'm glad that James has the showcase art up here because the showcase art shows the horn holding some kind of, you know, seemingly like magical beverage. What did Vikings like to drink? Mead, right? Mead? Mead, yes. And there's a connection between mead and storytelling. And here is the short version. It's completely ridiculous. As part of a truce between the Acer and Vanir gods, all the gods mixed their saliva in a big barrel. That's how you got to do it. Yeah. As a symbol of the truce, they created a man named Kvasir from the barrel, and their combined saliva became his blood. He was incredibly wise, but he was murdered by a 
pair of dwarves who drained his blood and mixed it with honey, creating the mead of poetry. Whoever drank from it would become an accomplished skald. The dwarves had another couple of murders on their conscience, a Jotun and his wife, and their son demanded the mead as compensation for killing his parents and got it. He stored it in three barrels and had his daughter guard it. She was visited and seduced by Odin, who spent three nights with her, each night emptying one of these barrels by drinking it, and he escaped back to Asgard in the shape of an eagle. The Jotun gave chase, also <laughs> shaped like an eagle, to to lighten Odin's load, he regrettably had to poop out some of the mead. This was bad mead. If you drink it, you become a lousy scald and get a terrible hangover. But most of the good mead, however, Odin got back to Asgard, barfed it into a barrel, thus securing the mead of poetry for the gods. Don't want to be a poet anymore. <laughs> Don't wow. want to be a poet anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first half, I'm like, all right, this is red violin all over again. But then the second half, I was like, oh, no, it's that part of the Internet that I try to forget exists. It's passed through so many people. Like, yeah, this is like third hand mead. Oh, yeah. So many, so many things I don't want to think about. Uh, is there a, is there a like regular toast that somehow describes this entire journey that the mead has taken in like one syllable? <laughs> I wish, then I wouldn't have to think about it. I believe it's what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to see Cameron in person in like six months and like he's going to have a beer and I'm going to like smash my beer in his as hard as possible and go, what? <laughs> it's just going to be all sad and not know what the hell's wrong with me. Dude, I just welled up with tears thinking about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds pretty awesome. Let's take a look at these broken wings, which depicts a shapeshifter being shot down in bird form. And I mean, obviously, God's turning into birds and things like that. That's that's fairly common. But this has a close parallel to a scene from the story of Loki's rescue of Idun from the Jotun Thjazi, as Loki in falcon form is being chased home to Asgard by, by Thjazi in eagle form, because I guess everyone can turn into eagles. And the gods light a great fire that catches the eagle's feathers, and Thjazi tumbles down and is killed. Welcome to Norway. Here's your eagle skin. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is obviously being hit with a spear rather than like a great light from, from uh, I guess, Starnheim or whatever, but, you know, sort of similar. Can we do Toski? I know it's further off in the al alphabet, but I was hoping we get to do Toski today. Sure, let's wrap up with Toski. That sounds great. We're going to jump ahead to the T's. Yeah, Toski, bearer of secrets, inspired directly from Ratatosk, the squirrel what carries news up and down the world tree. <laughs> so, what? Uh, yeah, so the flavor here is great. He's always on the move. He brings new cards or brings news. He's the indestructibility is probably more for game balance than than anything to do with the myth and the prosthetic paw is not from the from the thing either, but he's he's called the messenger of the gods in the wizard's web fiction. Toski bearer of secrets is. And you can see his 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 rune covered tail, right? His like super super long tail. So we assume that that's the secrets. If you look on search of greatness you can see his his tail just winding all the way through the back so yeah <laughs> toski inspired by ratatosk the squirrel that runs up and down the world tree carrying news around to all the realms and gods i definitely didn't realize that was his tail in search of greatness yeah that's great what a good boy yeah super good super weird little squirrel thing but yeah i'm glad i'm glad that it's come to magic or they or he or i'm not sure 
Yeah. Also, also very good in draft. Yeah, I haven't had to run into this card yet, but it seems like it will kill me. Yeah, it's just, you just get absolutely crushed under the weight of cards that your opponent is drawing. It's, it's I mean, very strong. Yeah, I, like I imagine there's probably like a pretty reasonable green beater at three that you can swing on after you like flop Toski on four. Right? There's a bunch. There's everything costs three in this format. Or it costs two now and one later. Yeah, exactly. Or two now and two later. Yeah. You know what else you can do later? You can spend two minutes at cardkingdom.com forward slash loading ray run and check on some sales or some deals. Or maybe you want to pick up some fun call time cards now that you know more about the history of the the real world mythology and folklore that has inspired the set. If you do, you could include in your message that Loading Ray Run sent you and you'd like a button and they'll give you a little one inch button that correctly describes you as a creature human token. Creature human and there's space for you to sharpie in whatever your profession is. It's up to you. <laughs> we should consider making one that's just like artifact that you can put on your bag. Yeah, Ooh, I, like that. I like it. I like it. There's a bunch. There's a whole series of this. If our if our listeners also listen to other podcasts, they might be used to when the pitch comes in. You know, the pitch, you know, for like Squarespace or Audible or MeUndies or whatever the heck. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. That are like recorded separately, but are also like, you know, really ham-fistedly inserted into the into the conversation or or like recorded in such a way that sounds like they're very naturally coming in the conversation, but it's really obvious that they're not. I just want to let you at home know that we never, ever plan these, as may be apparent, but I... I <laughs> I I think it's great. Yeah, no, we just have a competition each week to see who can like try to pull off the smoothest segue into thanking our patrons at patreon.com oh. forward slash loading ready run because we really appreciate everything they do and you know your dollars your support keep the lights on here at loading ready run and make sure that the podcast episodes and the streams and all the other weird content keeps churning out of this weird factory yep <laughs> that was terrific all right yeah nicely done thank you thank you and I, i'm having so much fun i would just i would do this kind of podcast every week like, I really just love getting these history lessons and then chatting about magic cards that are related to the history lessons. Honestly, me too. I I, I doubt there's going to be anything quite on par here for like, you know, Strixhaven or something. But I, yeah, anytime we get a chance to do something like this, I'm I'm here for it. And there's part two next week. There are many more cards to, to discuss. So please do come back for that. Big thanks again to, tr to Trolls for putting the notes and everything together i really appreciate that thank you thanks to jordan for editing thanks to james for running the card reader thanks to heather for doing podcast admin i have been graham joining me has been nelson thanks so much and cameron catchphrase and we will talk to you next week for part two of the kaldheim mythical origins Bye 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 bye